All right, glad y'all here. Hey, everybody that had a hand in making our supper tonight, let's tell them thanks. Good, good job on that. Let me start us off with a word of prayer tonight. Mary Father, we come. We're thankful uh, for tonight. We're thankful for a good God. We're thankful for a gracious Savior. We're thankful for a church uh, that we can come to where we can fellowship, where we can hear your truth, where we can lift up the name of Jesus together. Lord, I'm thankful for the meal we had I pray that you bless it in our bodies for your service, that we're useful to you and to your cause. And Lord, I pray now as we begin to study your word, I pray that you would speak, uh, that you would lead us, that you would teach. I pray for our, our kids that are meeting tonight how important uh, to have the truth laid out, to have a foundation uh, that is built upon, stacked upon. Lord, I pray that you work there uh, for, for all of our other classes, our adult classes meeting tonight as well. I pray that you lead them and direct them and that you are known, your truth is known uh, in the study of your word. And Lord, we come, we just tell you we love you and we praise you and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, tonight we're going to be uh, in our Bible study, the grand scheme of things tonight. It's week 27. I think last week I had the wrong handout back there. Uh, hopefully we got it right this week. Week 27, our Bible study is entitled All in the Family, All in the Family. Our study tonight comes from the book of Ruth, we're going to read a whole bunch of that. We're not going to read all of it. You might want to go back and read that uh, tonight or some other time. But our study comes from the book of Ruth. It is a short book. Uh, it is only four chapters. And it really seems to be kind of an odd book. When you read it, it's, it's understandable. But it seems to be kind of an odd book. Uh, really, it really is telling of the lives of Naomi and her family. Tells of their account. Tells us what happens there. It is an actual account. It is an historical account that actually took place. And so when we're reading this, this is a real account. These things actually truly did happen. Our question tonight is, and hopefully we come to the answer, my prayer is that we would come to the answer, uh, why did God include this in his word? We're going through the book of Judges. This takes place, this account, during the time, during the years of the Judges. Uh, why did God include this in, in his word? Why do we have this account? If you notice there on your worksheet, the key point, God's plan of salvation always included redemption for those with no hope. God's plan of salvation always included redemption for those with no hope. All right, so let's start tonight. We're going to start in Ruth chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 13. Now, it came about in the days when the judges governed that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn to travel in the land of Moab with his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. The names of his two sons were Malon and Killian, Ephrathites of Bethlehem in Judah. Now they entered the land of Moab and remained there. There Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They took for themselves Moabite women as wives. The name of one was Orpah, and the other was Ruth. And they lived there about ten years. Then both Malon and Killian also died. And the woman were bereft of her and the woman was bereft of her two children and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters in law that she might return from the land of Moab, for she had heard that in the land of Moab that the Lord had visited his people in giving them food. In her land, she hears that the drought is over back in her homeland, and so she's going to go there. 
So she departed from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-laws with her. And they went on the way to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go, return each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you've dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant that you find rest, each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, but we will surely return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return, my daughters. Why should you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Return, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I said I have hope, if I should even have a husband tonight and also bear sons, would you therefore wait until they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is harder for me than for you. For the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. All right, the account starts off, and and we move into it very quickly. Uh, the, The account starts off by telling us of the woman Naomi. And we find her really in great desperation. Now, when we see this, we read it, and we think, that's hard, uh, that's tough. I think we fail to see the magnitude of the trouble that she's in. Now, first off, her story starts off with a great drought in the land. Now, uh, we think, well, there's a drought. Uh, we'll send off for relief somewhere. We'll go somewhere else. We'll, we'll find food somewhere. Well, a drought for them was a real threat. When the food's gone, the food's gone. When you can't find something to eat, when your animals have nothing to eat, you are in real trouble. And so uh, they were in danger. They could starve to death. There's a great drought in the land. That's what we see at first. Her husband, Elimelech, says, you know what? We'll go to the land of the Moabites, to Moab, and and maybe we'll get out of this drought and we'll, we'll be okay there. So they leave and go to a pagan land. Now, when they get to Moab... Uh, There may be no drought there, but they do not have family. They do not have friends. They do not have the support of the familiar. Now, if you know anything about that, uh, you get sometimes in a spot when you don't know anybody. There's no one to help you. And even though they're out of the drought in a different land, it's a tough, tough situation. The Bible tells us once they are there, Naomi's husband dies. Now, that's a terrible blow. That's a terrible thing. However, for a woman in their culture, uh, this was especially devastating. Now, her success, if she was going to have any, was tied to him. Honestly, her survival was tied to him. Her protection, uh, her provision was tied to her husband. That was the culture. That was the system. system. He was going to protect her. He was going to provide for her. Uh, Even worse than that, her husband has died. But she's not in her homeland. And so there's not other family there. There's nobody else to take care of her. And so she could very easily be taken advantage of. Now, as hard as that is, as tough as that is, the Bible says she goes and they go with the two sons. And the sons now also die. They're there 10 years. In the course of those 10 years, uh, the sons also die. Now, this is a fate Uh, worse than the loss of a husband. Now, it was terrible that her husband had died, but in his death, under their system, in their culture, the sons would take care of the mother, all right? She has two sons. It's hard. It's heartbreaking. 
but her two sons are going to take care of her. It's going to be okay because she has the two sons, and then both sons die. So she's had a drought. She's in a foreign land. She has no support, nothing familiar there. Her husband has died, and now her sons have died as well. So I want you to see this. Here is Naomi, and she is helpless. She is hopeless. She's actually cut off. She can't go make a deal. She can't go and buy and trade. She can't buy land. Her future is actually gone. So she's in a tough, tough situation. All right, I've got an example to try to, to illustrate that tonight. I'm going to ask Dina if you'll come help me out with my illustration. All right, here's the deal. Her troubles were many. These balloons represent her trouble. A lot of times in life we have troubles. A lot of times it seems like when we have troubles, the troubles come another and another and another. Sometimes I think, well, if I can just get over this hump, it'll be fine. And then something else happens and something else happens and something else happens. Well, these balloons represent trouble. And I'm going to, this works. I'm going to see how many balloons you can hold at one time, representing on how many troubles you can take care of at one time. So the, the first trouble is this. There is a drought in your land. You can hold them any way you want. You can hold them in your teeth, your hands, your toes. Keep your shoes on, please. <laughs> there is a pagan land that you now live in. So you're not in your homeland, you're in a pagan land. Yes. These are full of helium, that's why they're hard to deal with. We have a BB gun in case you drop them. All right, so you're in a pagan land, you've had a drought, you've been moved, and now your husband has died. And so that's two balloons. But now, your husband's died, you're in a drought, you're in a strange land, times are tough, but now, your sons have died as well. Gavin, come here and help me. These are more troubles than I can even hold. If you'll hold that one, don't drop it. If you'll hold this one, don't drop it. Kel, come help us as well. Just keep holding those. Kel, here's another. Don't give them to her yet. All right, let's talk about her troubles now. You're in a strange land. There is a drought. Your husband has died. Now your sons have died, and it's multiple problems at once. Give her all four of those balloons right quick. Just give them to her. Hurry up, give them to her. <laughs> it's all right. Some of your troubles have gotten away. All right. So now you have your sons are dead. Your husband is dead. You live in a pagan land. And now you have no way to, to earn a living or make money. And so here's some more trouble. 
That's a pretty good job. <laughs> now what am I to do with them? You just got to take them back to your seat and don't drop them. I'm serious. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> All right, the point to all that is this. That's kind of a goofy deal. The point to all that is this. She has a lot of troubles. Her troubles have all come one after another thing. She can't manage all that. She says, you know what? I hear that the drought's over back home. I'm going to go back home. She tells her two daughters-in-law, I'm going home. Now, she says this. They start to go with her, but she says this. Y'all go back to your people. And you kind of start to see, you know what? It would be easier to say, come on with me. Uh, let's go together. But she starts to, to say, you know what, I care for y'all. There's no hope with me. Go back to your people. And she says, find a new husband and go back to living. You're still young. I'm not young. Go back to your people. Find a husband and go back to living. Now, they say, no, we're not going to do that. We're going with you. Uh, Naomi tells them, I have no future. I, I, I'm old. I have no future. I have no more sons to give you. And then she says this, God's hand has gone forth against me. God's hand has gone forth against me. All right. Pretty interesting statement that she makes there. God's hand has gone forth against me. In hard times, with heartache that is very great, she starts to think, well, God doesn't see me. God doesn't know about me. And here I am. And, I, and God's, God's forgotten about me. If you think about it, a lot of times when we get in trouble, especially when it comes one after another and we're covered up in trouble, we might start to say, well, I don't know where God's at. How's God forgotten me? How could he have left me at this time? Now, I want you to start watching here what we see about God. That's really the point of the whole thing. What do we actually see about God? We see, first off, there's real desperation. She has real trouble. The second thing we see in the account is true love. Listen to verses 14 and 15. She says, go back. It's harder for me than for you. The hand of the Lord has gone out from me. Go home. Verse 14. And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Verse 15. Then she said, behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods, Return after your sister-in-law, all right? Orpah says, uh, here's what, what Naomi says. She hears her say, go home. And so she weeps, she's sad, she kisses her, and then she goes home. Go back to your mother's house. Go back to your gods. Go home. And so that's actually what she does. Uh, it says, Ruth, however, clings to her. Now, I want you to listen to these verses. These are awesome verses, starting in verse 16. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. And your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more, no more to her. So they both went until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, all the city was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? 
She said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. It's a word that means bitter. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has witnessed against me and the Almighty has afflicted me. So Naomi returned and with her Ruth the Moabitess and her daughter-in-law who returned from the land of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. All right, I want you to see this. A couple things we can see here. The first thing is this. Ruth goes with her. Uh, the verses that I read, maybe you've heard those. Those are in a whole lot of weddings. I think in my wedding ceremony, we said those same verses. I'm going to go where you go. I want to die where you die. Your God's going to be my God. Your people be my people. Lord, if anything separates us but death, let a curse be upon us. And that's, that's what... Uh, that's what Ruth says to her. Now, I want you to see this. Ruth actually ties herself to the future of Naomi. Uh, there is actually, I want you to see this, there is no benefit for her to stay with her. She actually has no future. She actually has no, no safety net anywhere. It's actually a, a detrimental thing to say, I, you have no hope, no future, and I'm going to tie myself to you. That's actually what she does. She has no future. There is no benefit for Ruth to say, I'm going to tie myself to, to you. Here's why she does it. She actually loves Naomi. And that's, that's what we see here. She actually loves Naomi. There's no inheritance coming. There's no great future coming. There's no benefit. She actually loves her. Now, in the New Testament, love is defined as serving the other at the cost of self. Now, it's weird. We, we make a mess of the understanding of love, and we think, well, it's an emotion. You fell into love. You have a feeling of love. It's a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It is actually a choice. I'm going to serve you at the cost to myself. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives. That's what it means. Serve her at the cost of yourself. As Christ loved the church, guess what he does? He dies for us. He saves us in his, in his own sacrifice. Ruth actually loves Naomi. What an awesome picture that is. Now, you start thinking about reasons. There's probably several reasons. I think she truly loved her, truly knew her and liked her. But I think one of the great possible reasons is uh, perhaps in the time that she was with Naomi, the time that she was with her husband, Naomi's son, maybe in the, in the short time when Elimelech was there, in, in her dealings with this family, she came to know the one true God. And I think that's where the difference is. Um, Orpha, what does it say she does? She goes back to the gods of her house, the, the pagan gods. She goes back to those gods. But, but Ruth, it says, says, your God shall be my God. She, I think, came to know the one true God, and because she did that, it changed everything. All right. The next thing we see in the account is true hope. At the point we're at now, there is no hope. They're destitute. There's no hope. We're about to see true hope. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now, Naomi had a kinsman, a person related to her, a kinsman of her husband a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, please let me go to the field 
and glean among the ears of grain after one in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. So she departed and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was in the family of Elimelech. Now, behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, may the Lord be with you. And they said to him, may the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? The servant in charge of the reapers replied, she is one of the young Moabite women who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. And she said, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Thus she came and has remained from morning until now. She's been sitting in the house for a little while. Then Boaz said to Ruth, listen carefully, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field. Furthermore, do not go on from this one, but stay with, here with my maids. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Indeed, I have commanded the servants not to touch you. When you are thirsty, go to the water jars and drink where from where the servants draw. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight, that you may take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? Boaz replied to her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me, and how you left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and came to a people that you did not previously know. May the Lord reward your work and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. Now, there's two things we see here in this account. The first thing we see is her faithfulness. Uh, he says he has heard of her character. Um, she's taking care of, of Naomi. She didn't leave. She has stayed with her. She's tended to her. She's shown her great love. Notice it says the sacrifice. She did leave her mom. She did leave her dad. She did leave any security she had. She left the, the land of her birth. So she is known for her character. First thing is this. Here's, here's what we get out of this little section. We ought to be like Ruth and live in a way at all times that points to our character and the character of the God we follow. Now listen, at all times, in all the things we do, all the places we go, we ought to live in a way that it would reflect the character of the God that we follow. When everybody's watching, that's how we ought to live. When nobody's watching, a lot of the things she did, nobody saw. When times are good, and then more specifically, when times are terrible, times are horrible, she did the right thing. She lived in character and integrity, which pointed to the God that she followed. Your actions will speak for themselves, live in a way that points to the God that we follow. Second thing we see in this section is this, and, and I think we miss this. They are literally begging. They are literally beggars. The Jewish law provides for the poor. Uh, when they would come to harvest a field, the reapers would go through and they would cut down the grain, they would gather up the grain, they would pile it up, and they would haul it off. They were instructed not to go back a second time. They weren't supposed to go back, and anything we missed, we'll gather it up. What they left was to be left for the poor people. That's the Jewish law. Go across the field, get your grain, but if you miss some, leave it, and then they'll come along behind you. 
More than that, the corners of the fields were to be left just straight for poor people. When you get to the corners, turn. Don't harvest the corners. And when they come, they get the grain out of the corners. And so I want you to see this. Where do you find Ruth? She's with the beggars. She's with the poor people. Nobody of any respect would be with these people. Here's the landowners. Here's even the reapers have a better spot. And here they come, and she's with the destitute beggars coming along just to to, to try to find some grain to eat. In this process, they find Boaz. Bible says he is a near relative on the side of Abimelech, a near relative who could put back right the estate of the deceased relative. Let me explain this to you. When a person died, when a man died, his estate was going to wash out except if there were a near of kin, a next of kin, who could purchase the estate and put things back into order. Keep the family name, keep the family business, keep the inheritance intact. But it has to be a next of kin. Well, they go to the field, hey, there's this guy named Boaz. Not only that, he's related to us. He is able to redeem, to put back the estate into order. I want you to see this in this section. For the first time in the story, there's actually hope. And you read the third chapter, and and we're not going to read that chapter, but when you read the third chapter, I don't think Ruth understands that there's hope, but Naomi's at the house going, hey, comb your hair. Hey, put on some perfume. Hey, dress nice when you go to the field. This guy can redeem. This guy could be your spouse. There could be hope in this guy. And so I think Naomi's at home saying, Maybe this is the answer. Maybe this is the answer. There's a glimmer of hope. Chapter 3, I'm not going to read it. Uh, Ruth goes to the field. She makes it known who she is. He actually says, who are you? She makes it known. She makes it known she is interested in Boaz. Boaz sees her, and and he sees her integrity. He sees her character. Uh, One of the things in the third chapter, he says, you're a woman of excellence. Now, what an awesome thing to be able to say. You're a woman of excellence. You, you've done the right thing. You've treated people right. Um, he makes it known that he is willing to redeem her and to marry her. Now, there's one problem, right? The thing's headed in a direction. It's starting to shape up. There's one problem. There is one relative closer. There's somebody closer than Boaz. Now, because of the closeness of the bloodline, this person has the right to say, I will redeem uh, this family, this lineage. I will take their land. I will buy their land. I will take their inheritance. I will marry her, and I I will be the one that, that redeems, puts the lineage back into place. This guy has the opportunity to do that, one closer. Um, Boaz is next in line. This guy's closer. He has this opportunity. All right, we're going to pick back up. In chapter 4. Chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. Now, Boaz went up to the gate. All right, they do all their business at the gates of the city. Goes up to the city gate. And behold, the close relative of whom Boaz spoke was passing by. All right, the guy that has the first right, uh, he's passing by. So he said, Turn aside, friend, and sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. He took 10 men of the elders of the city. 
he took some witnesses and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the closest relative, Naomi, who has come back from the land of Moab, has to sell the piece of land which belonged to our brother, our relative, Elimelech. So I thought to inform you, saying, buy it before those who are sitting here. We've got witnesses. You want to buy it? You can buy it. And before the elders of my people, if you will redeem it, redeem it. But if not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also acquire Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of the deceased, in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance. All right, you can buy the land, you can have the land, but when you do that, you also have to take Naomi, you also have to take Ruth. The closest relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself because I would jeopardize my own inheritance. Redeem it for yourself. You may have the right of redemption for I cannot redeem it. For whatever reason, he says, I'm not willing to take those steps. I would have liked the land, but, but for whatever reason, I'm not willing to take them on as well. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning the redemption of the exchange of land to confirm any matter. And listen to this. This is the weirdest thing, I think, in the entire account. To make a deal at the city gate, here's what you did. Now, this is the custom in former times in Israel concerning the redemption and the exchange of land to confirm any manner. A man removed his sandal and gave it to another. And this was the manner of the attestation in Israel. So the closest relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. And he removed his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses today that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilian and to Malon. Moreover, I have acquired Ruth the Mobitus and the widow of Mahon to be my wife in order to raise up the name of the deceased of his inheritance. So that name of the deceased will be not be cut off from his brothers or from the court of his birthplace. And you are witnesses today. All the people who were in the court and the elders said, we are witnesses May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, both of whom built the house of Israel. And may you achieve wealth in, in Ephrathra and become famous in Bethlehem. All right. They make a deal. The weird thing, if you're going to make a deal, you hand somebody your sandal. I don't know if they ever got it back. I don't know if he walked home on the rocks. Uh, he hands him his sandal. The deal is done. All you witnesses, I've bought the land. I've redeemed them. And, I, and I'm now going to marry Ruth. The deal is made. Verses 14 and 15. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today. And may his name become famous in Israel. May he also be to you a restorer of life and a sustainer of your own age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. All right. The deal is made. Redemption has occurred. The line, everything that was broken is set back up. The Bible says that Boaz and Ruth have a son. They are married. They have a son. The son is a guy named Obed. 
Obed has a son. It's a man named Jesse. Jesse is a man that has sons. Remember the count? And the youngest of those sons is named David, King David. The greatest king in the history of Israel comes from this lineage, comes from these people, a poor, destitute beggar that's been cut off, has no hope, becomes a great-grandmother to the king of Israel. Now listen to this. And through that lineage, guess what? We have Jesus. In the bloodline of Jesus, there is Ruth, and there is Boaz, and there is Obed, and there is Jesse, and there is David. So here's the deal. Crazy story, complicated story. Here's the question. Why is this here? Why does the Bible include this? Now I want you to see this. The whole thing is actually pointing to Jesus. Now, the grand scheme of things, isn't it crazy? Every single week it comes back to Jesus. Here's the book of Ruth. How's that going to come back to Jesus? Listen to this. We are hopeless in our sin. You think she had a lot of balloons to float? You think she had trouble? In our sin, we are cut off from God. In our sin, we're out of his family. In our sin, we have no future. In our sin, we have eternal death. We're perishing in it. We, we are in big trouble in our sin. And here comes Jesus. Now, I want you to see the picture of this. He is able to redeem, just like this account. They had to be able to redeem. What do you have to do to be able to redeem? You have to be the next of kin. Now, I want you to think about this. Jesus comes as a man able to redeem people. He comes as a person. It's not a goat, not a lamb, not a spirit, not a lightning bolt. A person comes to redeem people. He's the next of kin. What an awesome picture that is. So he's able to redeem. Not only that, but he is willing to redeem. Just like that one guy said, there's too much trouble with this deal. I've got too much that goes on if I buy into this deal. Jesus comes. He's able to redeem. Not only that, he's willing to redeem us. His transaction doesn't take place at the city gates. It takes place outside of the city gates on the hill of Calvary. The transactions taking place there, we are purchased back. It's not, it's not through money. It is through the blood of Christ. And we are redeemed by our next of kin who's willing to redeem us, to save us. Now, I want you to think about what happens when we trust Jesus in faith. We are no longer cut off. We are now placed in the family. We now have a future we now have an inheritance, and we're reconciled with God. The name carries on. All of this account points to Jesus. The whole thing points to Jesus. What an awesome picture of a redeemer that came to redeem you and came to redeem me. I'm going to end right there. I'm going to close in a word of prayer. Glad you're here tonight. Glad you made the effort to be here tonight. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, and I'll lead us in a word of prayer. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for tonight. We're thankful for this truth. We're thankful for a picture of true love. We're thankful for a picture of our Redeemer and our redemption. I'm thankful that tonight, here we are. We have hope. We have peace in Christ. We have the forgiveness of sin. I pray, Lord, that this matters, that it makes sense, that it stacks up, that it gives us a, a renewed love for you as our kinsman Redeemer. We praise you for that. Lord, I pray for the folks here tonight. Bless them 
And some of them go back to school this week, go back to their classes, go back to their, to their sports fields. I pray, Lord, that, that they would walk with you, they would seek you, they would reflect uh, your name. I pray for some of them to go back to work, to jobs, uh, some of us to go back to other things. I, I pray, Lord, that we would live in a way that would testify to your character and to, the, to your integrity. Lord, we come now and just tell you we love you. We thank you for this opportunity. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Glad you were here tonight.